Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel. Welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talk, a podcast where we talk about making money, keeping money, investing money, and doing it with the team. And, you know, every week I bring just extraordinary folks to our podcast to just learn different business models, how to expand businesses, how to make money and provide opportunities for others. So today I have uh, John Siegel with me, and he is a clinical psychotherapist, president, owner of a concierge, non-medical in-home healthcare. Like that is a huge definition for John. This is Scottsdale, Arizona, has just done an enormous amount of work with the Air Force, the VA, psych units, has done private practice. John, welcome to Laurel's Real Money Talks. Hi, Laurel. How are you? I'm good. Very so good. So tell me a little bit about you. Like, uh, how did you get in this field? What's attractive to you about being a psychiatrist? And well, I'm I'll let you talk. Sure. I'm actually a psychotherapist by trade. I have been in private practice for 35 years, was a captain in the Air Force, as you alluded to earlier. Um, that was back in the 80s, and that was at Luke Air Force Base here. Basically, I was a certified Medicare provider who was able to see clients for psychological evaluations, concentrating on major depression, on anxiety disorders, bipolar illness, Alzheimer's dementia, anything from a mental health approach, which is really gaining popularity here and has should have been popular for years, but the stigma behind that has always been a difficult thing to overcome. But as a Medicare provider in 2005, I was doing some evals and doing assessments in North Scottsdale, and a home health care nurse who was in charge of a company called me and said, John, we're having a very difficult time finding quality caregivers in Scottsdale who our clients can relate to, that there's a lot of franchise models that basically concentrate on volume and they really don't know the clients and they send out people who really don't, from a personality standpoint, relate to their clients. And she said, John, we think you would be an excellent person to think about maybe opening up a non-medical in-home care company to relate to these clients because they're having a very difficult time. So I researched it out and I found out that a lot of the models out there were franchise models and were business people who were getting into this as a business, which is understandable, but they might not have the clinical skills to be able to successfully assess and evaluate their clients. So after a couple of years of experimenting with a couple of companies to learn the business, I started The Perfect Companion in 2008. And what we do is try to match up the individual skill sets and personality of our caregivers with the individual needs and personality of our clients. And this successful model has been one where we're building personal relationships with our clients and with their families. So from 2008 till 2018, I basically ran this um, out of my car and um, with my accountants and built a very successful business, a concierge approach, where we really matched up our caregivers with our clients. 
but it's been very successful. We opened an office over March of 2018, yep. and we continue to grow the business. Yep. And uh, the model has proven itself, and we're looking to scale them our business out to other places. So. so, John, talk a little bit about modern active aging. I think that's kind of a term you've made up, you know, as you're really defining and getting to scale this across the country. So I think you know, that's just going to be an extraordinary, not only project, but opportunity for those who need this kind of care. So talk about modern active aging. So modern active aging is one in where you can physically, emotionally, and socially stay in touch with the times, as we say. And one of the things that I found being a psychotherapist is I always had to have an access one diagnosis to get paid for insurance purposes. And the access one diagnosis was always focused on pathological, medical model, disease-oriented type of process. So you're looking for what's wrong with somebody. It's always, they can't do this, they can't do that. Therefore, they are always going to be in a disease-oriented type of process, rather, which I think is a backwards way of looking at things. And we should have a positive way, a modern way of being able to help people from a medical standpoint. So what I found out is basically we want to age in a strength-based way. We want to age as much as we can without pharmacological things that we take, like on TV, all these ads that you see every two minutes, every five minutes on TV is this drug and that drug, and what you need for this and what you need for that. I mean, as a kid, I never saw any drug ads back in the 60s and the 70s, and now you're bombarded every day, all day long with drug ads all the time. And then the side effects, once you listen to the side effects, why would you want to take any of these things? So what we're trying to do is to get people to look at this as trying to age in a successful way without this stuff. So I'm 66. Um, You've seen me and you know how I am. And the energy I have and the ability to be able to age in the way that I'm aging is because of a process that I'm trying to get out there to people. And it really consists of what I call the three P's of modern aging. And the three P's so, of John, modern age. Yeah. yeah, so I want you to include the word vital because I, ever since I've met you, you've always, you know, you haven't called it healthy, which yes. I, or, you know, anti-aging. Like you've really incorporated just the word and the energy of being vital. So yes. I know that you're going to jump into that with your three P's, but so include that. If we think of aging, we want to think of aging, if you call it strength-based or positive aging, it's really a vital way of living. And vital means it's necessary. It's necessary to do certain things or necessary to perform in certain ways to achieve the vitality that you need. It's that positive way of looking at life and living life. I mean, I remember listening to you back in 2005 and six, and it's all about having the ability to the glass being half full, to think of things in a positive way to always have gratitude for everything that you do. It's all part of what you've always encompassed in your life. So for me, having that vitality as you age, you need to have three things. And you need to have purpose. As we age, retirement is a very funny word. All my friends say, when are you going to retire? And I say, why? Because if I retire, I'm going to withdraw. That's what the word means, withdraw. So why do I want to withdraw? To withdraw to what? 
I mean, I don't understand that concept. Why wouldn't you want to actively have purpose? Why wouldn't you actively want to have passion? Passion is huge. You have so much passion. I mean, how can you be successful if you don't have passion for something? And why should that change just because you're older? Does it make any sense? And then my third thing is from a vitality standpoint is take possession of something, own something. What do you do that you can do better than everybody else? So those are the three things that I think everybody from an individualistic standpoint could work on for themselves to determine how they could age with vitality and then figure out those things that work for them. So, John, talk a little bit more in the depth of the process, because I know you do, there's everything from the anti-aging exercise and diets and, you know, like you said, I mean, the drug companies have only, what, I mean, you probably know the year, finally were able to, you know, advertise online and on TVs. I mean, that's never, you know, like you said, as, you know, you were growing up like that was never there. So the pharma world is huge, you know, detriment, I'm going to say, to I'm in the cannabis and CBD world. And I think that the pharma industries should be standing still and a little concerned about you know, other alternatives coming in. So talk deeper about the process from those perspectives. I mean, is it nutrition? Is it Absolutely. diet? Is it, I mean, I love that it's about okay. the purpose and the passion because I totally agree. In retirement, I said to share retirement from a money standpoint is actually an agricultural word that means you put cattle to pasture to die. So it's withdrawing and dying. And I totally agree. I can't stand that word. Yes, because I, I think that people, that well, the pe- purposeful people do what they're going to do because they walk off the planet. They just don't, you know, go sit in a lounge chair. So back to the, the process. I mean, what are some of the real details of the anti-aging, the active aging model that you do? Right. So the active aging model, first of all, is you just have to do things in a, a mindful way of of who you are as a person, what you enjoy doing, how you're going to achieve what you're trying to achieve. One of the things that I've done a lot is learn about our physical beings and from a diet standpoint. You know, I just had a physical, this is timing is great. Yesterday, I was at my cardiologist and he looked at me and said, what are you doing? Your numbers are turned upside down. And my numbers were never that bad. But I've been able to get my triglycerides under 100. I've been able to get my LDLs to are just excellent. I mean, you know, everything I'm trying to do is to avoid the physiological functions and inside of our body we can't always control unless we can control them. So diet, I became a very active proponent of plant-based diets in terms of taking superfoods that will be able to, whether you're drinking them or whether you're consuming them and eating, that are more plant-based. So if you do that and you actively work out in conjunction with that, you're going to have a much better chance because I believe in a concept, the microbiome is getting a lot of play right now. And there's a lot of toxicity in the gut and the mind and the gut probably go together very, very well as they're finding. And so if you can get the gut toxicity out of your system, you're going to do well in terms of having what I call homeostasis. And homeostasis is very important in everything that you do. So even if you're striving for things, homeostasis is having a balance in life. So when people used to come to me and they were very successful and they say, I got to be perfect. I got to be perfect. I got to do this in a perfect way. This is what I achieve and do. 
I always thought I'd rather be Avis of the car industry. If you remember, Avis was always number two. It seems Hertz was always number one in the car industry. And I always liked Avis because Avis always had to strive to be the number one. A lot of times when you get to be number one, you become complacent and you don't stay there because you're living on your laurels. A little pun there, maybe. But from my perspective, if you're Avis, you're striving. You're always striving to be the best that way. So rather than be perfect, try to strive to be the best. And if you're really good at what you do, I think that will help you in that way. So so all these things are basically physiologically getting out, exercising three times a week, hiking, anything you can do. You don't have to do things like 100 push-ups at a time. If you do 20 push-ups at a time, if you do 12 reps with a weight three times a day, you're going to be able to consistently do that. You're not trying to be the best or you're not trying to force things from that standpoint. So everything is trying to combine mind, body, and spirit in such a way that do things well, but you don't have to be perfect at it. Do things good, but you don't have to be the best at it. If you do that consistently, things will improve. And I'm always looking for improvement. In the business we're in, it's all about continuity of care when we're seeing our clients. And our clients may have a stroke or may have something that they want to come back to be the best that they can be and want to be the person they were before. And my thing is, where were you and where are you? And if you're at a point where you couldn't do anything for yourself and you're improving to a point where you can do a lot better now, look at that as you've made vast improvements and you're on your way. It's the journey. It's the process. It's not the end result. So that helps. So, John, let's talk about this. So you've been doing it by yourself. 2018, you decided to take it across the country. Before we talk about the macro, let's talk more micro. So as a client, who's your ideal client? Let's start there. And then talk through how what you do is so different in your concierge. And then we'll get to the software, which is just going to be revolutionizing the, you know, I'm going to call the baby boomer population, which will continue, you know, the other groups will age as well. But I think what you're doing is revolutionary. Well, what we do, and thank you for that. We try to target or attract a clientele that has been a successful business or professional person, not necessarily professional, but people who really, to be honest, have the discretionary income to be able to pay us on a private pay basis because insurance does not pay for this. And they're looking for a quality life experience. So the quality life experiences is one where we try to pick out caregivers for them who may have similar life experiences as them, and they're not necessarily going to be able to not relate with these people. They're going to be able to have a personality that they can absolutely relate with these people. So a lot of the caregivers have the caregiving skills, but they don't have the necessary intellect and personality to be able to match up with our clients. So what we've tried to do is hire people from the workforce who are transitioning, who may be a little bit older. And this is another thing that gets me crazy, is that why aren't we hiring older people who say they can't find a job or they're going to retire? Hire older people that can relate to people who are in the same age bracket. So we've hired a number of older people 
who match up with our clients. And we are trying to put together, as you know, a matchup type of a process like match.com in a sense. And so to match up people who, if I have somebody who graduated from the Amos Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College, and I bring in a caregiver who doesn't know what the Amos Tuck School of Business is, doesn't understand anything about Dartmouth or anything of that sort, how are they going to really relate or how is the client going to feel comfortable with them? So we have a lot of college graduates working for us. We have a lot of people who might not be college graduates, but who can be trained to be able to understand the clientele that we have. So it's like if you're dealing with the Ritz-Carlton, and the Ritz-Carlton is always in the top 1% of everything they do, we want to try to represent that top 1% from a concierge standpoint. So we can relate to our people as being the best they can be and the best that our clients can provide that service. And in, in providing that service, it's anticipating the needs of our clients before they ask. And that's huge because if you do that, then you're really going to bond with these people because our clients do not want to tell somebody 20 times a day to do this and do that. They want our caregivers to anticipate their needs and they feel comfortable in that way. So is it difficult to get caregivers of the quality to match the clients that need the care? I would think that there's a certain niche for that. And I think the one story I remember when you were you know, discussing your business and just some of the nuances is, you know, it's like someone's had a stroke. They still want to go to the golf course with their, you know, friends and have their lunch and have their... And they don't want some, you know, I say young kid or, you know, just like a mismatch. Right. Because I mean, I'm assuming these people, for the most part, your concierge, they are with these folks pretty much throughout their day uh, in, in, in critical time. So talk about the other side. Like, is it difficult? I know there's a nursing shortage across sure. the country. I mean, there's, sure. there's, so, there's so much shortages in all of that right now. Absolutely. So here's what we do. So when I went to the Ritz-Carlton, the leadership conference in Rancho Mirage last week, I was trying to get them to confirm the model that we have and what we do. And it was a very successful conference for us. A couple of our caregivers went and they made presentations and they got a standing ovation for what they did. So obviously, we're doing something right there. But the big thing for me was, how do you attract and attain and keep the people that you want as employees of your company. And everybody's thinking inside the box. Everybody's looking to go to caregiving schools and to nursing schools. And we go to nursing schools. We go to some of the universities in Grand Canyon here in, in the area. We have a relationship with them. Arizona State, we have a relationship with them. But everybody's looking for that. And there's 400 companies down here or more who are doing this from a from our standpoint, although we're the only concierge service that I'm aware of. So what we're looking for is what Ritz Carlton does very well, family and friends. If you go out, it's like an octopus and the tentacles come out. You talk to your family or people you trust or your friends. Who do they know? Who do they know? who may be interested in the kind of services that we provide and may be interested in working with people like us. So we've been very successful by who you know. It's who you know in this world a lot, as you know. If you know the right people, you can come up with the right ideas and concepts that you need to be successful in your business. So we've been very good at finding family and friends who tell me 
they know this person who knows that person who knows this person. That's been a very successful concept from it. It's been a word of mouth. It's been huge for us in all aspects, in the way we get our clients, in the way we get our caregivers. That word of mouth for us has been huge. So, John, talk about the business expansion. You're in a pretty much all-cash model because insurance doesn't cover this level of care. Yes. So, if you were going to pick the say, top five markets that you want to target and, you know, obviously going one by one, improving from Scottsdale to Beverly Hills to Palm Springs. Sure. And I'm making those markets up. I'm assuming they're on your radar, but talk about the top markets and how you see expanding. I know our conversations are, you know, are we in a licensed franchise and will they need to license sure. things? Yeah. So I just, being at the uh, Ritz-Carlton conference last week, allowed me to meet some very successful people. And one of the gentlemen I met was head of the Keller Williams Luxury Home Market in Palm Springs. He's on the Mirage Palm Springs Chamber of Commerce. Very successful man who's really interested in the model that we have. And, you know, a lot of the companies out there they charge uh, less money than we do. And so we're looking to target areas where people can afford our services so we can provide a higher level of care for them. And that means we have to pay our caregivers and we pay them on a weekly basis too. So he said that our model is perfect for them out there because they have so many retirees who've done well in life. And of course, the Palm Springs area, Rancho Mirage areas would be a very good area. Beverly Hills would be a very good area for us also because people are looking for personalized care. They're looking for the relationships they can build just like everything else they've had in their life. They want it to fit into their lifestyle and they don't want to have to supervise people or to tell them what to do all the time. They expect the people that we bring in are going to be trained and have the ability to be able to relate to them on an individual basis which is what we're trying to basically do. So Beverly Hills, Palm Springs, Coronado, Lake Tahoe, I think would be a good place. Any place where there are people where their discretionary incomes would match so that we can have a successful business. The interesting thing about our model, our business model, if we have 100 clients, and you could say it's based on ours, but if you have 100 clients, it's going to probably equivocate to $5 million in sales for us. And if we have 200 clients, which is basically a size of an average doctor's office, I would say, if you have 200 clients, you're going to have $10 million in sales. And our profit margins are probably 40% right now. They may come down somewhat a little bit, but, but 40 to 50% has been our profit off of this. So obviously, if it comes down some fine, if we go into different areas that have the discretionary income, whether it's Palm Beach, Florida, Boca Raton, Naples, if it's in Greenwich, in, in, on the East Coast, but the West is, you know, we're in the West, so it makes sense for us to stay in the West. If we can target those areas where the people have the discretionary income to be able to pay us, we feel we can have a very nice business and a very successful business. And we can also add on value through other ideas that we have in terms of the modern aging process with alternative natural medications. We're thinking about doing some, some skilled care to add on value. We have a, a person in particular, as you know, we're very interested in bringing on board who grew a business from under 1 million to 150 million in sales, and it's going upwards to 500 in sales now. 
So from that standpoint, we do feel we have a niche and we do feel we have a specific business and where we can expand this and make this a very successful business on um, a nationwide type of a basis. Absolutely. John, let's talk about the technology that you have thinking about designing, right? Your your caregivermatch.com, let's call it. I think mm-hmm. it's brilliant. Because yes. I actually think, you know, the, the, one of the ideas too, as we're working together, that I think about that is if you had a really front-facing, almost just interactive software where people could even do just a call line. There's a whole nother revenue stream just as I've been, you know, thinking and working with you that I, I think could be on the front, front side. It's I just on the front, front idea. side, right? Yes. So I talk about things I believe. Yep. But what you have is the, the core of it, and there's nothing like it. So we are, again, this is all in the beginning stages and what we're trying to do. And, you know, we haven't had a chance to really d- delve into that. And we're working with some people on it. But that is important, that interactive experience. If you know what foods people like, if you know what restaurants they like, if you know where to go with our clientele, I mean, that's golden. I mean, it just helps them to know that, you know, that Burberry's is a high-end clothes fashion store, that you know where you're going to a restaurant is a high-end restaurant that you would like to go to. They appreciate the fact that our people know these things and and are aware so they don't have to explain it to them. They just feel comfortable. It's all about feeling comfortable. It's all about having a relationship. It's all about trust. And if you can build a model where you can match up the caregiver with the client, you're going to build a lot of trust. And that trust is what they want. And they're willing to pay for that trust. And, you know, the testimonials we have and our ability to be able to engender trust in our company, what we do, it speaks volumes for us because the word of mouth is how we've gotten most of the business that we have gotten. And that's been by thinking outside of the box. So, yes, I think that front end, that interactive experiences, we haven't got into it on a big way yet because we're so busy with infrastructure and doing what we're doing and and just building our business right now. But that's what we're going to be doing in the future. So, Absolutely. So, John, how do people um, reach you? you know, on our podcast, what we do is uh, we send people over to AskLaurel.com. You put in your name, your phone number, your email. And just ask a question, or you can request even a conversation with John if you're interested in the business model, interested in you're listening and like think, oh, well, I can help with software. So we're all about getting a community around, you know, projects that we think are significant and uh, going to be life changing for people. So those of you that are listening to podcasts, you can always go to Ask Laurel. But John, if they want to just contact you, you know, directly, uh, what's your website? How can people follow along and, uh, as you grow? Okay. I suggest that they look at our website, azperfectcompanion.com, and they could get information of how to contact us there. Also, if they want to call me directly, that would be a very advantageous thing for me, and that would be at 602-300-5018. And then if they would like to call our office and ask for Carlos, and you have met him, they can call our office at 602-595-9096. Awesome. Well, John, it's been great to have you on, and I hope all of you that are out listening to podcasts from all over the world enjoy 
just learning about new businesses, how to make money, how to grow. And, you know, there's going to be probably an investment opportunity depending on the financial modeling, right? So we're still in the yes. conversation of, you know, do you license, do you put it with somebody in a town who's actually a co-owner? Is there a investor return? So that's just some of the assessments. Yes. So if this is interesting, you tag this podcast, send it out to other people. And John, thank you for all your brilliance and knowledge in this area. Laurel, thank you and looking forward to doing business with you in the future. Absolutely. All right, all of you, I will be back on another episode of Laurel's Real Money Talk soon. And uh, also stay tuned and start watching uh, our YouTube channel as we're building a brand new channel and really almost a show on how money makeovers and the sequencing of financial issues for so many people are so different. So stay that tuned for that. Awesome. And we'll be, I know, I can't wait. So uh, we'll be back in touch. I'll have a great Thanks. day. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth-building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.